Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode Number 2. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. Pittsburgh Steelers have today off, their first off day of this 2023 training camp uh, season that they're in right now. And then the gauntlet starts tomorrow with the pads coming on Tuesday, the first of six practices uh, before their next off day. And so that'll be a very exciting time for right now. We catch our breaths. Dave, how you doing? Doing good. I'm probably, uh, you're probably doing well to get to get a little bit of a break today uh, before you had to face that gauntlet <laughs> as well. So I hope these players really get a lot of rest on this, uh, on this Monday, because man, you look at uh, the schedule next week and obviously the pads uh, go on on Tuesday. They've got, uh, they've got all those practices in a row. There's a Friday night lights practice in there uh, on Friday. And then they follow that up with the practice on Saturday and Sunday, their next day off after, after today day is, is is next monday and that's i i have they gone that many practices in a row uh six before in recent yeah, time they've done, I, they've done six they, before yeah i mean i know they've done five before I, could, I was trying to think back in my head if they've done six uh but uh you you go separate the men the men from the boys uh for sure uh uh they're gonna be some tired puppies uh the, 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 the this next week here for sure I mean, we'll find out if I'm a man or a boy. Yeah. We'll find that out. Take uh, your towel, well. please. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm excited for the Friday Night Lights one, especially because, A, it's always a, a special uh, day in practice. But assuming it takes place, they're calling for some rain. It'll be the first one since 2019 because they lost out on the COVID years in 2020 and 2021. And last year's was a bad storm that came in and got rained out. So if they have it, hopefully they have it. It'll be probably the biggest night in quite some time in training camp history. Um, because it has just not taken place in Latrobe for several uh, several years now. I mean, a lot of people showed up last year, right? But it just oh, yeah. uh, how 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 long were you there before? Because I think the lightning or something ran you out. Didn't yeah, it? practice. It never even got started. I think the players arrived on buses. I don't even know if they came off the bus, and then a terrible storm came in, and uh, yeah, they they canceled practice. So um, I think they actually had had it at the stadium like on that on a Monday, but it was not a Friday night lights practice. It was a different kind of feel. So point being. Friday Night Lights this year is going to be a really good time. All right. Uh, And obviously, we have done now four of the special edition episodes of the uh, Terrible Podcast, uh, recapping, you know, the uh, the practices nightly uh, after you get back from late trobe. Uh, So we're going to, you know, we're not going to focus on a lot of the, uh, you know, detailed, detailed stuff in this show, but uh, you are going to give give us kind of an uh you know an overview of what you've seen and we'll we'll make some you know discussion out of that you know for today's show uh with all these other you know mini episodes within there uh but i guess uh, we've got some kind of housekeeping to keep up or, or or to pass along with uh uh at the top of the show right 
Victor, let's start with just an injury roundup and recap, and then I want to get into the roster moves and certainly have a, a lengthier discussion about Quan Alexander. I know we talked about that whenever the news broke during one of our podcasts. I forget which one it was. I believe the Saturday one, but we'll talk about that uh, more at length. But from an injury standpoint, team relatively healthy overall. Uh, most notable injuries right now are rookie running back Alfonso Graham with a right shoulder arm injury. I have a strong suspicion, unfortunately, that he's going to be a waived injured candidate and uh, reportedly Pittsburgh bringing in a running back today. We'll talk about that in a moment um, for a workout. And then DeMonte Casey with a left ankle injury. Uh, Mike Tomlin has kind of downplayed it overall. Casey says it's not significant, but he calls himself week to week. They're going to be cautious, and he's currently in a boot. He was walking around um, on that boot during Sunday's practice. So those are the biggest ones overall. There's been some rest, rest days for some of these guys. Um, Mika Fitzpatrick has still not practiced for personal reasons. We'll see if he's out there on Tuesday. If he re- if he's even returning to the field, he's not been on the field the last two practices. But um, Casey and Graham, they're two big injuries I can think of right now for the Steelers. Yeah, that uh, that sounds about right. And I think uh, both those guys, I think the plan was to to get them further looked at probably back in Pittsburgh today. Right. Because Mike Tomlin said mm-hmm. he uh, after the practice on on Sunday, he didn't really have a real update on 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 Casey and kind of in so many words, blamed it on the settings, you know, where they're at versus, mm. you know, where, where the facility uh, uh, is and all like that. So I would imagine uh, both those guys are getting further evaluated back in uh, uh, Pittsburgh today. And then, we'll, we'll, you know, obviously Casey's going to stay on the roster. He just might not be on the field for a little bit. You're right about Alfonso Graham. You know, is it, is it serious enough where, well, a, if there's any seriousness to to it, he he probably will get waived injured, and from there, uh, you know, revert to 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 uh, the injured reserve list, and then how long he stays there, it would probably be related to the seriousness of the. Did we have uh, uh what? Who was the young uh, running back last year that uh, had a shoulder? Master T. No, no, there, no, there there was another one. Uh, oh, he spent the season on the uh, in uh, reserve injured list. Uh, the, the running back veteran running back. Yeah. I know who you're talking about, um, I, I hurt his shoulder early before the pads even came on. Ah, I'm, now, I'm, now you're making I, me look. I up. know I've drawn a blank all of a sudden. Uh, I know what, it was a vet, what the, what the with was. a J first name began with a J Jeremy, uh, McNichols. Yes. There we go. We, yeah. we played it together. We're playing a game of password. <laughs> See, you're like supposed that. to be able to fire these things out. I have an excuse now. I'm getting old now. <laughs> I'm getting know? old too. I'm the, I'm now 30. I, I, I might know. as well be 50. I was sharp as a tack when I was your age, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, Jeremy, uh, uh, that was a shoulder, right? That was a shoulder. Yeah. Uh, and then he ended up uh, being waived injured and spent the whole entire season on the IR at a split salary. So, uh, that's, uh, you know, it's it. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but it is a, it is a move to potentially uh, uh, look for next week. And they are working out a running back, right? Yes, according to Jordan Schultz, the team is working out uh, running back Zaquandre oh, White out of South Carolina, formerly and most recently uh, from the USFL. Um, he averaged almost seven yards per carry. He had a, you know, was a former linebacker actually began his career at Florida State and moved to running back was uh, kind of a backup and just had one year of semi-production with the Gamecocks, but he was with the uh, Birmingham Stallions in the XFL this past year. Also spent time um, with Miami, the Miami Dolphins. He's got some size, and so uh, would not be shocked if he signed. 
Okay, and then uh, we had last night a moment of uh, uh, silence, if you will, playfully, but uh, uh, Monty Potty Potabom, uh, they're going to have to, there's at least one roster spot that they're going to have to fill. Yeah, Potabom apparently retiring. Mike Tomlin did not offer much information about it when briefly asked on Sunday, just said it is what it is and didn't go into any more detail. I don't know what the reason was. Potabom, you know, was struggling to get reps the first couple of practices because he's a fullback in 2023 and even in Pittsburgh's uh, offense, not using a ton of fullback. Uh, Probably we'll see a little bit more when the Pats come on Tuesday and there's more traditional run sessions. Um, I have the uh, the stats that Pittsburgh's only run the ball in 18% of their play so far because the environment they're currently working in. Um, but yeah, whatever the reason was, Potterbaum decided to hang up his cleats and as Chuck Noll would say, move on with life's work. That one hurt. I was, uh, I have a, uh, you know, an affection for tight ends, fullbacks and anything that like that uh, specifically that comes out of Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> You're still chasing the old George uh, Kittle dream. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, they, they, they produce some pretty physical guys, right. That uh, at, at those kind of positions there. And uh, obviously I, I didn't have pot bomb making my 53 uh, man roster ahead of camp, but he was a guy that I was quite interested in seeing, you know, specifically on special teams and, you know, uh, maybe an occasional couple of lead lead fullback uh, situations there in uh, in the preseason, and just goes to show you, you never know what what's you know what makes these guys tick deep down inside, and you know some of the hearts and sparks things. And uh, I was a bit surprised; I had to check that transaction two or three times there. But uh, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this Mon- Mon- Monty Potabom jersey now. Uh, anybody mm-hmm. want want a deal on that? No, I'm just kidding there. But uh, yeah, that that shocked me. But such is such is life with undrafted rookies, especially in 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 the early stages of camp. Right. Sometimes it happens. And as you said, the roster spot is open. And so they'll fill that probably before Tuesday's practice. We'll let you know who that guy is. Some people have, you know, the speculation naturally begins. Oh, should Derek Watt come back? I'd really be surprised if they brought Derek Watt back, Dave. If Derek Watt's going to come back, it would have to be on a uh, uh, minimum salary or veteran benefit deal. And, you know, uh, He's probably looking for a little bit more than that, I would think, or at least wait, wait things out. I don't, I don't know if he would even jump at the first offer right now at, at, at a veteran benefit deal. Maybe he would. I don't know, but uh, we'll see. One guy that has signed a contract, so let's kind of transition to the big news that uh, has taken place since our last normal Friday episode was Quan Alexander, the inside linebacker, veteran player, former Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneer, most recently with the New York Jets, signing a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers and got right to work. Number 26 was on the practice field on Sunday, practicing in full individual and team period work for Quan Alexander. So add another veteran inside linebacker into a mix and the, the turnover of that room continues from a year ago, almost completely different aside from essentially just Mark Robinson in terms of guys that were on the field for Pittsburgh last year. So how does Alexander fit? Why the signing now? A lot of questions to ask Dave. Do you have any answers? Well, first and foremost, uh, are you shocked that this team added and, and we're not, you know, uh, added another inside linebacker to this room uh, at this point? I, I know I'm not. I talked in my 53 man roster prediction that there was probably about three spots that I would much rather have a player to be named later uh, type situation there. I think you could look at this roster before 
training camp got underway and identified several positions where it where it, where it felt quite plausible where this team might add a player between the start of camp and week one of the season that would have a great chance at making a 53-man roster. I think inside linebacker was one of those positions. I, I still think center position is something that's plausible. I think uh, 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 number three running back at some point is quite plausible. And then obviously we talked about slot corner uh, 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 quite a bit ahead of this there. So, uh, and look, I mean, you go all the way back to the uh, initial time that they uh, brought in Quan for a visit was back in what middle May, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so there was there was enough uh, uh, interest to do that. Uh, my view, my overview at with 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 them finally signing him. Now look, we'll have to wait and see what the contract has to say. And he was on the transaction list yesterday. I don't know if we're going to have that number today. It'll probably be in the morning that we get his contract information. Um, uh, dollars to donuts. I'll bet you. I'll bet you a cold drink that. Uh, this ends up being a veteran benefit contract, just like the one that Marcus Golden signed with $152,500 uh, uh, signing bonus in there. And if indeed that's the case, then I would look at this as they, they just waited Quan out from all the way back at, uh, in, 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 in May there. Now, maybe, maybe there was some, maybe there was some little nagging little injury or something. I don't know that maybe he had to get over and, uh, uh, first, or maybe that was the holdup in all this, but people, you know, for him to, for Quan to be out there on the street all this time, you know, obviously he wasn't getting a much, any interest he was probably getting was probably cheap interest. Right. So, sure. uh, it, it, it does feel like that Quan maybe wanted to wait this thing out until training camps around the league got underway and then pick what he deemed as his best potential landing spot. Once, once camp got underway, that's the way it feels like to me. I am not surprised one bit. We've talked quite a bit about the potentially adding an inside linebacker, even after uh, the names of Kwiatkowski and, um, uh, who was the other kind of uh, Tanner Muse? Yeah, Tanner Muse and 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 all like that. I mean, this is a guy that's got NFL experience, got pedigree, got more importantly, you know, he's got the athleticism to mm-hmm. to 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 kind of pair along with Holcomb and Landon Roberts. He's kind of a you know an in between of the two. Now, when you go back and look at the uh, New York Jets tape from last season. In the games, in the all 22 that I pulled up on him, uh, it looked like he was used quite a bit against big personnel situations. Okay, so he was used in, in, in the Jets' base defense? Yeah, it looked that way. Now, I, I only uh, made it through two of the uh, all 22 games completely and just bits and pieces of others. But, uh, uh, you know, he's still, you know, you look at him from an athletic standpoint, at least from a measurable standpoint, what, 6'1", 227. And there are some overall clips, both all 22 and and and, 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 and game, you know, TV footage from last year. It looks like he moves really moved very, very well. I mean, there's one, one instance of him tracking down a Tyree kill, you know, 
in, in, in one of those games against the Jets there. So, uh, but just in the overall usage in some of the all 22 that I ran against, it seemed like he was mostly used against, you know, when two, two tight ends were on the field and less so uh, when, when, when uh, other teams were in like 11 personnel or something like that. Now, to their credit, they had a couple of guys on that roster ahead of him, right? In, uh, who were their starting linebacks? So one of them was the, the guy, the inside linebacker that got injured last year, uh, Williams and the former Ravens linebacker was there, right? Uh, you probably know it better. Yeah, they had CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams, their top two tacklers last season, right? So those two guys, you know, that might have been why he was more, more used situationally in there. Now you have to go back. Didn't uh, Quincy get injured at some point in the season and miss, miss a little bit of time. So maybe need to go check the tape as far as uh, 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 games after that happened there. But uh, my main takeaway when, when looking at the tape on him, uh, he's, he's not, he, he's a fearless guy. Uh, mm, he can hit. There's some big clips of him hitting out there. Right. Especially for, for a guy like 227. I mean, he, he goes up and takes on some blockers. Now you, if you look at these plays overall, you say, oh man, he got, he got level, you know, by a tackle on this play, but I mean, what, what, what setting up for something like that? Anyway, what do you think the outcomes come? You know, the key thing is, is he taking on the block and set the edge and, and, and turn stuff in uh, mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to help. So that's one thing. There are three things that stuck out to me overall. I guess four things overall. First, uh, fearless guy to go up and take on, you know, tight ends. You know, uh, I've got one clip of him taking on a, a trailing uh, counter uh, uh, blocking tight end on the move and set the edge uh, there, taking on a tackle on the outside and, and, and attempted to set the edge uh, there. So the physicality, uh, the the want to, to go up and take on uh, big guy blockers is there. That's one thing. Uh, the athleticism, uh, I, I thought was okay when, when, when it comes in, I thought he still moves per, uh, pretty well. I thought the tackling overall uh, was good. I, you know, you see him uh, 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 drop in coverage and, and do okay uh, within that aspect of it. And then really the other thing was kind of an intangible thing. Uh, you know, he seemed to be a guy that's very, very comfortable with, with communication and, 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 patting guys on the butt and getting them lined up in, in, in right instances and making sure shifts happen and things along those lines. So in other words, a green dot kind of in case of emergency uh, worthy kind of player there. So those are the things that stuck out in, in, in my tape study on him. I know you said he was primarily used in base defense and kind of bigger personnel in the film that you watched, but did you get any sense about him in coverage in terms of how well he performed there? Uh, not overall, no, not, not okay. in what I saw, uh, there, uh, you know, once again, I'm gonna have to go back and look in some of the later stuff, the games that, uh, when did, uh, I'm trying to remember when, when Quincy went down, he missed and, two games. So I can look it up for you to see what, uh, games he missed exactly last year. He missed uh week 
four and five. So missed the Steelers game, of which Kwan played heavy snaps in, in the following week against Miami. So four and five for Quincy Williams. All right. And the Steelers game, obviously one of the ones that I didn't go back in. Uh, I mean, I have the tape pulled on it, but I wanted wanted to try to pull things uh, that I already had, uh, go through things that I already had pulled that I hadn't watched of, of, of him there. So maybe I'll go back and watch the Steelers game uh, today. He had a big hit against uh, – Gunner, I think, on mm-hmm. one of, uh, in in that game, and I think didn't he have something like six overall tackles or something in that game? If 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 memory serves me, so uh, it'd be interesting. I'll, I'll go back and look at that and see if he played a little bit more. Was asked to do a little bit more in coverage uh, uh, with Quincy out. Yeah, I don't know if Juan Alexander is a top end coverage guy. I think very few off ball linebackers are really you know excel in coverage. It's Fred Warner. Shaq, uh, Leonard, and that's about the list because it is so tough to try to cover these, you know, monster tight ends and these really athletic running backs and those kinds of things. But he's certainly a much better athlete and, and better coverage guy than a Landon Roberts. Um, I, I guess the next question is, OK, Alexander's in. He's here. Fine. How do the pieces all fit? Is he a yeah. backup? Is he going to push for a starting job? Um, the report that came in initially kind of called him depth. Obviously, I think Pittsburgh's going to try to keep things more wide open. They did sign a Landon Roberts to a two-year deal, and I think Pittsburgh, on paper, like you know, having Holcomb as their three-down linebacker, athlete, better cover guy, Roberts kind of the hammer, rundown situation guy, Alexander, as you said, kind of something in between. Mm-hmm. Then you have Mark Robinson as well. How does this all fit? Look, you didn't sign uh, Holcomb for three years for what was it, eighteen million to have him <laughs> be a two-down linebacker? I don't think uh, I. <laughs> Uh, but within that, I don't, I don't think they're opposed to not putting the best guy on the field, you know, uh, within that. I mean, I, I, uh, if anything, this is more of an indictment of the guys, Pat, beyond uh, both uh, Roberts and Holcomb. I think uh, this gives you a guy that I think could, could technically play both positions, you know, uh, fill in for either Holcomb or or Roberts, I think, comfortably within that. So he, he, to me, at least initially, he feels like the next guy up type uh, uh, type okay. player for for both Holcomb and 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 Roberts. And then obviously everybody else kind of shifts down uh, the depth chart because I mean, quite honestly, prior to his signing, who was going to be the next man up behind Holcomb and 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 uh, Landon Roberts? Prior to signing Quan Alexander, you know, it, Mark Robinson. It, was, it was Mark Robinson, right? Mm-hmm. Because I yep. mean, Muse bless his heart. And, and if, did you see that picture of the linebacker group uh, uh, that I posted after, after 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 camp practice on Sunday? There of them mm-hmm. not not in pat or uh, you know with that without their helmets on, on and all like that. Tanner Muse looks like a damn tight end. That yeah, we talked. I think on one of the uh, special editions of the podcast here the last couple days there, uh, and obviously we talked about him coming out of Clemson uh, during that pre-draft process. I mean, that guy looks like a Planet Theory. If I could come back right now with looking like anybody, I think I'd want to look like Tanner Muse. 
I liked your comment that you and Tanner Muse look the same from the neck up. From there, we, you're good. We really do. Now, if I could work on the on on the yeah. neck, I, but you know, I look. I, I filed my retirement papers a long time ago. Uh, so 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 those. <laughs> it looks, they, they, you did not look like Tanner Muse when you were his age, by the way. So no, no, not, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I now I did look. Now, don't get me wrong. I look good. But uh, <laughs> uh, not that not that good. But mm-hmm. if I could come back it, it, uh, uh, with and looking like one player right now, I would come back looking like Tanner Muse uh, uh, would, because I mean he looks every bit of six two, six three, six four, uh, two whatever he is, and and he's put together. He he looks like he could play tight end. He's got, he looks like a tight end. Period. Yeah, uh, I mean, he was a safety in college, you know. But uh, anyway. Back to back to Muse and his and his and his uh, worthiness. I mean, he's 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 a fringe player anyway at this point. You know, they never could decide if he's safety or or, or an inside linebacker in the NFL. He his his foot remains in the NFL, I imagine, because of his special teams play. So right. that wasn't going to logically be your number three guy. Uh, Kwiatkowski's obviously got the experience, but he's long in the tooth. In fact, I don't think he played a defensive snap last year. He's hanging on because of special teams. Uh, When it comes to Mark Robinson, you've got a young developing player there, but you've got one with just not a lot of tape and a lot of experience there. Mm -hmm. So uh, I view this as a needed next guy up spot ahead of Mark Robinson. And then the rest of those three behind him will, will, will work themselves out. I think it's a pretty messy situation and not in a bad way. I think Omar Khan and this team has embraced adding as much competition as possible, especially to those influx positions like inside linebacker, like slot cornerback, where they're working legitimately five guys into the mix right now to see who sticks. And so I think Pittsburgh's just embracing that and that's all well and good. But I have a hard time believing that Juan Alexander, who's been playing on defense his entire career, still just 28, still has some good tape out there, is going to be a pure backup special teamer for this team. I think he's going to find his way into a defensive role in some capacity. My thought initially, and again, this thing is going to play itself out this summer. That's going to be Pittsburgh's mentality is that in base defense, it'll be Roberts and Holcomb in nickel. It'll be Alexander and Holcomb. And then in dime, it'll just be Cole Holcomb. And then of course, if somebody gets hurt, Alexander can have probably a more prominent every down type of role. Um, that's kind of my read of things right now, sure. but again, it's early. It'll play itself out. And I'm still on the Mark Robinson train. He's been getting second team reps over Muse, over Kwiatkowski, eight in the first team reps yesterday and got some snaps over Alandon Roberts, he's had a good camp, I thought. And that's a guy that, yes, is young and needs to develop. But how do you develop a guy in the NFL? You got to play him and you may have to make some mistakes and a bit of growing pains along the way. That's fine. This guy, I think, has played beyond his years, both as a rookie and the early signs in your number two. But I'll get off my soapbox about that. But I think Alexander, point being, will have some sort of defensive role even before an injury were to take place because there's talent there. And I don't think he signed in Pittsburgh just to be a pure backup. All right. Now they're going to, I mean, we still, I think we both had, I had him keeping five inside linebackers on my, my first 53. You did as well, right? Correct. All right. Uh, a couple of those have got, now didn't they keep five last year and, and Robinson was inactive, right? That sounds right. Yeah. Last year would have been what Jack Bush, Spillane, Robinson, 
and Marcus Allen. That's five, right? Uh, that sounds right. Okay. So probably at this point, looking like they're going to keep five again, just given. I mean, I, I think, you know, the top four are, are pretty much cemented. Obviously, Holcomb, Roberts, Alexander. I think Robinson's going to make it. Um, that's not probably wouldn't call that a lock, but I think closer to it than than not. And then the fifth spot, you know, Muse, you would think for the special teams ability, but I wouldn't even, you know, necessarily write his name in pen either. Right. It feels like it might be one of Muse or Kwiatkowski, whichever one can 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 help you more on special teams. And if that's the case, and if they do have that special teams ability, they're going to get the helmet. So does that leave Mark Robinson if he does indeed make the roster as a week uh, as one of five inside linebackers? Uh, does that make him a possible week one inactive for Mark Robinson? I mean, it's possible. I think that's down the road, and I'm just trying to figure out, you know, roles and who's making the roster to begin with before we talk about inactives. But Robinson, I think, can't help on special teams. I think he'll have to prove it some. He doesn't have the track record or the resume that the other guys do, but he's a guy that's fearless and a big hitter, and that lends itself, generally speaking, pretty well to go cover kicks and punts. All right. Uh, uh, And I don't think – I'll have to go back and look at how many special teams snaps that – Alexander had last year. Not many, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm gonna try to. Pull I don't think he's well ever. Been now, the, the, the thing, I, and and the thing that Mike Tomlin made sure to point out uh, yesterday is uh, he's. It felt like he was older than what he is, but he's he's. Well, I don't know. He's about to turn 29 in a few more days, believe it or not, August the third. So, uh, uh, special team snaps for him last year were ten. He hasn't played special teams in quite a while. A lot of right. special teams. You have to go back to, geez, I mean, even 2018, he only played 33 special team snaps. And since then, he's played six in 2019. Looks like uh, 18 in 2020, three in 2021, and 10 in 2022. So, you know, there's, and even for his entire career, the most snaps that he's played special teams wise in a single season is 69 way back in uh, nice uh, <laughs> 2016 there. So and I'm, and I'm guessing that's just field goal block team because the starting right. defense is out there field goal block because he was playing. He was a starting linebacker for Tampa Bay. He's probably not running down kicks and punts. I mean, that's probably just all field goal block unit. So they, so they didn't, they didn't, you know, they didn't bring him on for, for his special yeah. teams ability. Right. Right. That's why I don't think he's going to be just a pure backup, just biding his time. I think he's going to work his way into the lineup in some capacity, exactly how that looks. I'm not quite sure. I don't think the team exactly knows either. As you say, these things have a way of working right. themselves out, but I think he's going to have a role. I think nickel packages make sense for him. Look, I put Mark Robinson on my initial 53, but as I've talked about, uh, I'm, I'm not as close to writing them in pen as you are. I understand that. And, and he's not, and I, and I explained why, you know, because, right. you know, uh, just the experience and, and, and the greenness at the position. Now, look, if he gets in, into preseason again and, and shows up quite a bit like he did last year, and then more specifically, he, uh, he, you know, he's tearing it up on special teams. Well, he, you know, it's, it's going to be hard not to keep him at that point, but you know, he was a seventh round guy he was a converted, uh, uh, running back to linebacker, just not a lot of experience. And look, I was as thrown off as, as most people, the way, uh, Terrell Austin talked about him this off season, a couple mm-hmm. You know, several weeks ago there. So, uh, but 
I, I, the main takeaway here is I think the, the inside linebacker room got better. I agree. I agree. And uh, as you said, Alexander, he's a guy that's athletic, communicator, smart, and, uh, and, and a veteran too. Um, and, and that's helpful for that room. I mean, Holcomb has some experience and Roberts has a, a, a good deal of experience as well, but uh, good to add those veteran pieces in. Um, we'll see how it looks and, you know, just happy to see Alexander hit the field right away and he'll be out there Tuesday uh, in pads and we'll, we'll learn more about him. Right. All right. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, Jared, a- Jared, they went to Jared mm-hmm. or they didn't go to Jared. Yeah, they didn't. They left Jared. <laughs> they uh, left Jared, Jared Williams getting released in the corresponding move to get uh, Alexander on the 90 man roster. But again, a spot remains open because of pot of bombs retirement, but that was the, uh, the transaction Alexander in Jared Williams out. He was a uh, played mostly tackle prior to Pittsburgh was playing third team left guard and uh, has now been uh, officially waived. Okay. Uh, where does that leave us in, in, in the part of the podcast now? That's a, it's a great existential type of question. Um, let's give just kind of an overview of camp. The first four days, again, they've been uh, in shells, no pads. The evaluation can be tougher. It still has a bit of an OTA type of feel. Um, I think the defense overall has been a bit better than the offense, just big picture speaking, although the offense improved from their pretty poor performance on Saturday, they were much better on Sunday. I think, you know, talk about some of the rookies. Uh, Broderick Jones getting a lot of reps yesterday, getting first team left tackle reps as guys getting the day uh, off, including Shakul Makorfor. That shifted Dan Moore from left tackle to right tackle and gave Jones plenty of reps with the first and second team um, left tackle um, spot there. Joey Porter Jr., I think it's been really impressive. Nick Herbig has been one of the, the guys to talk about at camp, his burst, his explosiveness. Uh, Corey Trice has been very fluid and, and had some plays in coverage. So, Overall, overall, Dave, this rookie class, I think, is looking pretty good. The one guy that's been quiet and, and kind of had a tough start is tight end Darnell Washington, but still early, and, and these growing pains will take place for all these rookies. Sometimes they come at different points in, in their uh, season, but um, overall, I think it's been, been pretty good work. Uh, I like the fact that they mix and match those offensive lines. Uh, I mean, you want to kind of go a little bit deeper into in, in, into who did what? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yesterday, I mean, really was kind of a veteran's day off. I imagine you're going to see that from time to time this year, um, just to give young guys extra opportunities to either show their versatility or increase reps or work up, you know, from second string to first string or third string to second string. And so a guy like Spencer Anderson was playing all over. He's playing left guard, right guard, and right tackle. Ryan McCollum was playing center and left guard. Nate Herbeck was playing guard and uh, center, getting some center reps in there. So add his name into that, you know, backup center uh, competition with Kendrick Green with McCollum behind Mason Cole. So overall, um, the O line getting a, a lot of shuffling and a lot of different work on Sunday. Yeah, I like that. I like the notion that uh, uh, Dan Moore is getting you know got a got a handful of right tackle snaps. Uh, we talked several times. Well, are we going to see guys like maybe Herbig get some center work? And and what about that versatility of a guy like Spencer uh, Spencer uh, Anderson? And, and we're starting to see that in uh, go into go into effect now. So yeah, I, I you know and. I have no problem with them doing that the way they did it, you know, to, to close out the fourth practice there. Yeah. And uh, again, we'll see how that looks going forward. I mean, a guy like Spencer Anderson, he's got to show his versatility to make the team. He's got to be someone who can, you know, play multiple spots and give value at guard and tackle and maybe a bit of center as well. And so that's going to be really important for him. Yeah. I thought yesterday was kind of the, the let the kids play day sort of practice for him, for, 
you know, Mark Robinson to see increased reps for Kenny Robinson to step in. And he made some big plays, a pair of picks off of Mason Rudolph, um, even for Tanner Morgan to get his first team reps um, of training camp. So um, that's going to be Pittsburgh's approach seemingly sprinkled in throughout training camp. All right. What else you got? Uh, what else do we have here? Um, any any quotes, anything from these players to that that have talked so far um, that has stuck out? You, you probably know it a bit better than I do. I mean, Alexander spoke and, you know, just kind of said all the right things there. Um, anything else that, that you heard that really stuck out to you, Dave? Uh, you know, a, as a whole, I mean, no. Uh, but, you know, I want to go into kind of more of the uh, particulars from you know, I think uh, uh, Kenny Robinson's a big story. What one of the bigger stories this morning after the day he had, right? Sure, two interceptions certainly gets you noticed by us and and by your coaches as well. And so Robinson picked off Rudolph twice, including in seven shots on a slant where I don't think Rudolph ever saw him. And Robinson was right there and and found the ball and picked it off, and then had a really great interception late in in the team period in practice on a deep ball where there was some pressure kind of a lame duck throw by Rudolph deep downfield intended for Calvin Austin too far inside, kind of hung in the air. Robinson got his head around, found the football, high pointed it and picked it off. And so that was a really impressive play. So yeah, picking up two passes in one practice doesn't happen too often for any defensive player for a guy like him. And again, that's increased reps with Fitzpatrick out, with Casey out with guys like Norwood kind of floating to the slot that creates more reps at safety for a guy like Kenny Robinson. And uh, he certainly, stepped up and met the opportunity on Sunday. Yes. Uh, and going to be an interesting name to, to watch moving forward. We'll see what's going to happen with Casey and, 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 you know, his, uh, uh, ankle injury. And obviously we don't know, you know, what's going on with Mink and the personal, personal situation that, 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 you know, might, you know, keep him, uh, uh, sideline a few more days there. And the thing about Kenny Robinson, go back and, and we kind of recap this on, on, on the special edition episode last night was the fact that he's, he's, he's played a handful of, uh, snaps in the NFL, you know, was with the Carolina Panthers and, uh, uh, got into several games with them. I think he even started one, had a lot of special teams, uh, burn with him. So this, you know, you're not just dealing with a, Undra- a former undrafted free agent uh, here. You, you're dealing with a guy that's actually had a little bit of a taste of, of, of the NFL and, you know, more specifically when he, most of the snaps that he's logged when he has been in NFL games has been free safety. So, uh, you know, one man, what, what does Mike Thomas say? One man's misfortune is, you know, might create an opportunity for another guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that that's a chance where he, he, he's getting in there and in, in camp and getting a few extra reps and taking advantage of that. And I'm sure Mike Tomlin, well, Mike Tomlin talked about him, uh, yesterday and, and, and pointed that out. So you, you want to see if that guy can keep the momentum going, you know, uh, going to be, I think he is now a guy to definitely circle as far as special teams play goes, uh, in, 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 in the preseason there and look, are they going to keep four or five safeties overall? And if they keep five, he could very well come into play as, as maybe a fifth safety. Sure. It's possible, but you hit on the keyword special teams as great as the, the playmaking, um, is, and you want to see that continue. And that certainly gets you noticed and, and gives you more opportunities. You still got to make the team on, on special teams. He's not, he's not going to be the starting free safety of the Pittsburgh Steelers week one, obviously. And so he'll have to impress Danny Smith. If he can't do that there, the splash plays now are nice, but it's probably not going to be enough to get you on the roster. Right. 
I think overall, Dave, collectively, the position group that's been the most impressive is actually the edge group. And again, it's it can be harder to evaluate, especially in in, in run session and in, in run plays. But just overall, I mean, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith have been just cooking the Steelers tackle. It's not a huge surprise because they're TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. But even Nick Herbig has been impressive off the edge, a quick first step, consistently winning. He's been just kind of schooling. Uh, right tackle Raven Clark, even some backups. David Perales has had some pressure and a bad ball. Um, Toby and Duke has got a little bit of burst to his game. So I just think top to bottom, the edge guys have been a really good looking group overall. Uh, I tell you, uh, Nick Herbig's answered the bell so far from the sounds of things. And it's going to be interesting to watch uh, uh, you know, when, the, when the pads go on, ha- how that changes things. But so far, it sounds like uh, uh, you know, things have been going good for him in his first camp. Absolutely. He's been probably one of the standout, if not the standout names so far through four days. But as you said, and it's important to caution when pads come on and his big, his concern was never about athleticism and bursts like that. He always had that in spades. It was size and strength. And can you hold up on the edge in, in a run blocking environment? Can you set the edge? Can you um, take on a block? Uh, that That's always been the, the worry with him staying an outside linebacker. So we're going to learn a lot more about Nick Herbig starting Tuesday. Absolutely. Uh, anything else here I'm trying to think of from the first uh, couple of days? Wide receivers. Kevin Austin's been up and down, had some big plays downfield, also had a couple of drops and a small catch radius that that impacts um, you know, the importance of accuracy for these quarterbacks trying to put the ball right on him. So still trying to figure out exactly who Kevin Austin is and how he can win. Um, but he's been, you know, talked about quite a bit these first four days. All right. Uh Overview of uh, Allen Robinson after first couple practices and and you know what what he can do. Solid as advertised. You know, middle of the field type guy. Run the five yard dig. Um, you know, run the option route underneath beat zone coverage and sit down and find grass. It's not been a lot of big downfield. You know, win contested type of stuff, but it has been doing the dirty work underneath. And that's what he was brought in to do to kind of be, I I really view him in a role that was similar to Juju his last two years in Pittsburgh. And I think Juju was probably miscast and kind of being a pure underneath threat when he was a bigger play uh, downfield kind of guy. I think though with Robinson at this stage of of his career, he is kind of that more underneath, you know, slot guy going to win the five yard option route as opposed to the, the 20 yard route downfield. So um, I think he's given Pittsburgh exactly what they're looking for. All right. Let's All right. See. I, I'm trying trying to think. I, I was I was really hoping to learn about some offensive line rotations uh, at, coming out of these first four practices, and you were able to provide a lot of color on that. So I'm 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 glad some of that's happening. That's that's from an outsider's point of view. That's one of my main takeaways. Was mm-hmm. that uh, trying to think kind of the sec you know one of the other major kind of takeaway, you know, just some of the rotation, uh, you know, depth chart kind of questions here. Uh, I, I'm not fully sure that we, 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 we got a lot of answers on. I think we'll get more answers on those basically you know, when we get into uh, uh, the preseason type uh, uh, action there, be able to chart that kind of stuff there. I'm trying to think what else kind of sticks out of my mind. I mean, obviously without pads on, it's hard to, hard to really look at the play of the offensive lineman and, 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 and the defensive lineman uh, overall. Uh, Anthony McFarland, nice camp for, for yeah, him to McFarlane, start things off. And look, I mean, he should. You know, this is one thing we've kind of said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I understand why he's getting a lot of buzz here, but I, I still think it goes back. And Anthony McFarland said this back several weeks as well, too. If he doesn't show up on special teams, it's probably not going to matter unless somebody gets injured. Sure. But the question is okay, if it's not him, then who? 
Graham's right. hurt. Hagen's has been a backup. Jason Huntley has shown a little bit of something, and he should be in this conversation. And, and you're right, McFarland's the veteran. He should be looking good in these environments. The questions about him are not about his speed and kind of you know general running ability. It's it's does he have enough well-rounded value to his game on special teams as a blocker as a receiver? Um, but he's been on the field quite a bit. All these pony reps give him a ton of extra opportunities. He's caught the ball well. He's flashed some of that burst. Again, environment he should look comfortable in at this stage of his career. It is his last chance, but right now he is his team's third string running back. Uh, that length of uh, Porter and Trice evident. Oh, yeah, uh, very much. I think Porter, my terrible take will be on Porter today. Just he's covering the full route tree. He's covering the deep balls to Calvin Austin. He's covering the slants underneath. Um, He's overall playing clean. He's showing speed. He's using his length well. It's been a a really well-rounded package for him. He's a hard worker, always one of the first time on the field, always working on his hands and catching and just trying to improve his potential playmaking ability. So um, he's been good. Trice is a really fluid guy just in terms of his, um, uh, you know, change of direction. What, 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 how, how were you able, able to come away with that take there? I mean, what, what led you to that take with, with, with Trice, right? Uh, on some of these slants, because usually for these kind of taller, longer cut guys trying to, you know, be able to turn themselves and, and flip their hips on these slants, they sometimes kind of trail. And Trice is usually right on top of these things. Now, granted, the receivers, he's not going against Deontay. It's been maybe, I think, you know, Cody White and some of these other dudes, but just seeing his ability to kind of, you know, sink his hips and, um, caught or if he's in a press alignment to be able to open up his hip and explode and, and drive on these slants. Um, when I've seen that, I kind of, when you're on top of those slants, you're not trailing behind. That means you're being able to flip your hips and, um, you know, open your hips and clear your hips and, and be able to to turn and, and, and burst. So uh, that's, that's kind of shown to me that Trice is a really fluid type of dude. All right. Does he, and how does he look? Does he look comfortable? out there yeah uh, there's probably been a little bit of grabbiness concerns downfield with him um there's, there's a line to walk there for those big guys you want to use your size and your physicality and your length but you got to play clean as well um so there's been a, a little bit of things to work through there but overall i, I think he's used his size and his frame you know pretty well all right i think we're going to learn a lot about these guys in these next uh especially once a uh, few practices when the pads go on how do you think they're going to break it up with pads versus you know shells or whatnot in terms of how many practices will be. In yeah. How, many, how and, many in a row next week do you, uh, do you think, uh, or how many in, in, in total mm-hmm. in pads do you think there'll be? Yeah. There's always ebb and flow. There's no real, you know, roadmap. It's Tomlin's discretion. There is, I believe an NFL rule in place that you can't be in pads. I want to say it's more than three days in a row okay. during camp two or three. I forget the exact number. There is a restriction on that, but they're going to be in pads Tuesday, obviously probably Wednesday. They'll be in pads or Friday night lights. Obviously that's the, the big show. Their backs on backers will take place for a second time. Then, um, so you might get, let, let's just say Tuesday pads, Wednesday pads, Thursday shells, Friday pads. Usually you think Saturday is going to be in shells because you have the night practice, but in past years, they've actually been in pads the following day. So, um, it just kind of depends on how the group's looking and performing and how Mike Tomlin wakes up that day and a little bit of the NFL, um, rules as well. But my guess, and it's just a guess is Tuesday pads, Wednesday pads, Thursday shells, Friday pads, and Saturday we'll see. Okay, and the other kind of takeaway about back to Porter and 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 Trice here was this comment by Levi Wallace because Levi <laughs> Wallace is not a, really a short cornerback. He's uh, but he's, he's like he, almost six foot. Isn't Levi almost six foot? If uh, not six foot, 
Uh, what what is he listed at? We're gonna, we're, we got a lot of researching today on uh, this episode. He is six oh oh two. Yeah, he's over six four. Yeah. Uh, and he says, "Yeah, I didn't think I was short until these two giants came into the room, and I'm like, yo, y'all are huge.' <laughs> and, and, and you know, that's 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 not breaking news there. But uh, uh, I tell you, you could just visibly see when those guys are are you know in in some of these pictures from camp and all like that 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 th- those two guys are just long." And, that, and once again, that's not that's not breaking news. I, I think they went into this offseason looking for bigger guys like that to have that length. And, you know, one of the things we use all the time and during the pre-jab process is looking at uh, the length because the Steelers normally like these guys long. But these guys are long, mm-hmm. long, long, long. And I think that is that 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 is kind of stuck out there. You know, I guess the uh, another minor development in, in, in campus, Tanner Morgan's actually got a few snaps uh throughout the early stages of this uh do you think uh, they're going to with with guys like Mitch and Rudolph uh you know as many you know uh, they know enough about those guys now at this point is that going to lead to to Morgan getting you know three reps here two reps here kind of thing I think largely speaking yes I think you're going to see the occasional day off for Trubisky, as was the case yesterday. He didn't work in team. You'll probably get that with Rudolph for a day later in camp. My guess is like once a week, they'll give one of those guys a day off. Probably next time, they'll just rotate between Rudolph and Trubisky. So it's Trubisky Sunday, probably Rudolph for, I don't know, we'll just say Thursday or Friday's practice. And Morgan gets one day a week to get some team reps in. Obviously, their focus is on the three quarterbacks most likely to be part of the roster come week one, Pickett, Trubisky, Rudolph in that order. So they're not putting a high priority on making sure Tanner Morgan gets his reps in, but um, they're going to probably throw him a bone. If I had to guess once a week, again, I think once a week, they're going to kind of have a, a veteran rest day where all these vets get days off cam and TJ and the quarterback and, you know, Patrick Peterson, say Molly, whatever the case is to allow these guys to younger guys to get additional reps and for guys to shuffle around and play different spots and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's going to be their plan this year um, in order to get these young guys, different looks. All right. Uh, who, who's, who's been kind of maybe the most surprising player, you know, uh, uh, throughout the first four days here, would it be kind of, I mean, cause Herbig showed he's got the get off and, mm-hmm. and, and can get off after the passer, even in college. And that's not where the questions have been on him though. So is it, is it that big a surprise that he's, doing okay through the first four days of, of, of no pads or would you, or, or, or are you indeed, would you consider him a, a surprise? No. And, and like I mentioned earlier, I mean, there's never been questions about his overall athletic profile. And so to see him display that athleticism in camp is not a surprise, but it's still good to see, you know, as you see it in the NFL, it's no longer just college projection. And we think he can do this, but okay, he's actually doing it at the NFL level, albeit kind of in a, you know, OTA spring ball environment, um, you know, in, in shells right now, in terms of the most surprising, again, I really struggle with surprise because I just kind of go in with that blank slate mentality. Um, you know, Kenny Robinson, obviously picking off a pair of passes yesterday. I mean, that's a guy that's popping and making some big impact plays. And that's always super encouraging trying to think other surprising names. I don't know if any one name really especially comes to mind, right? I have to probably sit on that um, a little bit. Uh, more. I mean, Elijah Riley making some plays from the slot. And so that's a guy that I think has a, the size Pittsburgh would look for in a rundown type of corner. He's a safety that can play um, nickel. And then a guy that that's, that has an interception so far in camp. And so um, that's a guy trying to make a pretty good case to be this team's, uh, you know, slot corner in some respect. 
when we talk about Riley moving forward, do we need to talk about Riley more as a corner now? You know, even though he's listed, I think, as a mm-hmm. safety. Yeah, it, it's a it's a defensive back. He's a guy that can play both, and you really see versatility for him, and, and really for the entire NFL. You know, if you're not a full time starter, you know, the starting running back or the starting left guard, you got to have you know some real good versatility to your game. And all these DBs, you know, seemingly can play a bunch of different spots, and so the more you can do, the better. Um, so yeah, in terms of where his best shot to get playing time and to stick is, it's going to be at slot corner. But when you have that safety background as well, you can have a roster spot. You know, this guy can be a backup safety, dime guy, slot corner. That just provides a lot of value. You know, you still can, you know, carry 53 on your roster. And so you got back end guys that can, you know, wear a bunch of different hats. It kind of just makes the math of building your roster a lot easier. Um, and so I think gone are the days where DBs in particular are just kind of one spot dudes. They got to be guys that can, you know, float around, especially if you're not, you know, a rock solid established starter type of guy. And uh, I think Riley has that versatility. Is there anything that stuck out to you as far as, you know, scheme or anything like that offensively or anything that they've done in your know, formations or, 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 or play or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, you're seeing some wrinkles in there. There's been some design screens and that's been the, uh, the, the boogeyman in Pittsburgh's offense is that where those running back screens and some, you know, kind of design swing screens and, and things like that. Um, you're you're kind of, you know, seeing that classic Canada flair to it. A lot of pony, you know, again, is this just all smoke and mirrors? Will this go away when the games start to count? Or can Pittsburgh try to actually, you know, use this? I, I, I went uh, through Tom Meade's charting. I mean, Pittsburgh used pony backfields 11 times last year. They all came after the bye and they, you know, mostly came in the final three, four weeks of the season. So very late in the year, you saw this team make an effort occasionally to get Jalen Warren and Najee Harris on the field together. So maybe that was a hint that, okay, this team you know, saw something with it and we'll try to carry that over into 2023. Not a lot, obviously, just a handful of snaps here and there. But, um, you know, again, if this team's going to practice it that much, you might as well, you know, try to use it in, in a game that matters. All right. Uh, we'll get to uh, so you want to get to a, a, a couple of emails here. Uh, yeah, we'll do that. Just uh, my, my training camp stats post went up today. I know some people yeah, what will, stuck, uh, what stuck out there? of me. Yeah. And, and just a quick context there. People will make fun of me for training camp stats. Um, these are just, you know, one piece of a puzzle. It's not that we're going to be hypercritical about any one number, but they're good context. It's a tangible thing to to, to kind of put in, in, in match with our eye test. And because we've done our camp stats for so long, we can go back to past years. I, you know, broke down Kenny Pickett's numbers, the first four practices of last year versus the first four practices of this year. Big difference in terms of him you know, pushing the ball downfield. And so that's kind of just a good way to, to compare that briefly. So that really stuck out to me the most was Pickett, you know, yards per attempt or it's per completion, um, all that way up compared to the first four last year when he was like true check down Charlie, not trying to take any sort of shots. And again, you expect him to be more comfortable and, you know, have that more aggressive mentality a year in starting all those games. But the numbers tell that story there. Uh, running backs really can't collect any sort of data from uh, wide receivers. Uh, Don't know Washington, pretty quiet so far. Six targets, two catches, just 17 yards and has uh, one drop. And so that's uh, a quiet start to him. Calvin Austin, I have down for three drops right now. Some of them, they're not like super, super egregious drops. They're not ones that hit him right in the chest, but they're plays that he could have made. And that, again, speaks to that lack of catch radius that he has. And so that kind of stuck out to me. But on his three receptions, he has 73 yards. So he's had some big downfield plays. So you've seen some good from Austin. You've seen some bad. Can he even that out? That'll be his mission the rest of training camp. Okay. Any other kind of minor, uh, lower level stuff you'll be, or tell, tell them what you'll be kind of tracking stat wise the rest of the way. 
Yeah, we just track, you know, quarterback uh, numbers, just the basic numbers, completions, attempts, yards, touchdowns, interceptions. We also track the number of reps they have. So Pickett has 60 reps, Rudolph 50 reps, Trubisky 43 reps, and Tanner Morgan 12 reps all coming on Sunday. Running backs, we just track carries and uh, yards per carries and touchdowns for the occasional seven shots uh, run play. And then we track just, you know, catches and targets and yards and Touchdowns also track drops and defensive interceptions. Three picks so far in camp, two by Kenny Robinson and one by Elijah Riley, all thrown by Mason Rudolph. And so the numbers on Rudolph not looking uh, too good right now. Okay. You want to get to some emails now? Yeah, let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Uh, we have one from Colin Finnegan writes in. Good morning. Good afternoon, fellows. Football is here. This is from a few days ago on many podcasts. I've heard you discuss Kevin Dotson being traded, and it makes quite a lot of sense. This morning, I was thinking about similar lines and grew, grew curious if you think Dan Moore may also be a tra- trade candidate. Uh, if Chooks handles his business and Broderick Jones wins his job, he would become a backup. I have a feeling that some team out there might be willing to pay for a cheap tackle two years starting experience while he would be really nice step piece. If, if the team receives a nice nice offer, he says, I don't think it's impossible. As Dave says, that Moore is traded. What say you? Uh, Colin, I would be absolutely shocked that this team traded Dan Moore. Stunned. Same. He, he's staying. I mean, again, again, he may be this team starting left tackle week one. That is a distinct and real possibility. Even if not, there's value as a swing guy. This team, you know, made an effort to improve the row line depth this year with, with Herbig. And of course, when you, you know, draft Jones, you have potential backup options there. So, Dan Moore is going to be a stealer. Uh, I would agree with that as well. I would, I would be quite shocked if 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 he's traded here. Uh, let's see if I got another one here. I think we're uh, Bucky says love the conversation with Najee. Blah blah blah. Former player rep uh, that said David David Anson nailed it when nailed it when they said this is going nowhere this is kind of Berkey I don't mean to cut you off here this is kind of long we want to try to keep this uh uh, uh kind of shorter here but and I think people are about tired of us for the last couple of podcasts talking about Najee and 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 the contract law I I will add this Berkey <laughs> Uh, about the running back market and all it's, it's weird to see what's going on over there with Indianapolis right mm-hmm. now uh that's that that's one of the things that you know, I think is quite interesting. Not that it's going to impact Najee, but uh, I just I find it kind of kind of weird how this thing went sideways based on things that Jim Irsay said a couple of days ago, and then 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 the report coming out that Taylor wanted trade traded, and some of the back and forth there. Uh, that that's really got my focus right now. And and look, once we uh, once we get into the season and seeing how Najee's performing and all like that. Uh, I, at some point, I'm, I'm sure we're going to start talking about it. Look, I had this big article the other day about, you know, potentially, you know, is there a chance that the Steelers uh, uh, sign Najee to an extension next offseason? Deep down inside, I, I don't think that will happen. But if there was a time, if there was a the best chance that I think that Najee would have an, at an extension would be after this season. But a lot of things have got to go right this season for that to happen uh, overall. But uh, look, this, this, this talk about the, uh, the running backs and the market and, and, and all like that is not going to go in, away uh, in anytime soon, but I appreciate the long email in there, Berkey. I think you got a lot of points, but I don't think it really uh, changes the overall thoughts or, or, or your overall all look at the running back market at, at, you know, as we sit here now. And I think the biggest takeaway is 
you know, still, I think they're SOL and, and you know, until something gets done with the CBA. Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. Right now, Najee Harris is here working, and that's all that really matters for the for, for the present. Um, since we're at the end of the podcast and the people really hate this, they can just bail. Uh, your thoughts on on the Colts situation? I mean, I know it was kind of messy, but I, I, I saw the report, you know, of the Colts considering placing Taylor on NFI and not paying him. I mean, that to me is just like, you know, just trying to burn, burn this bridge, you know, taking a nuke to this whole situation. I mean, I just was kind of blown away by that report. Yeah, it, it really is. Feel, feels like a strong arm type uh, threat, if you will. I, there, there's better ways to go about it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, here, here, these things have a generally have a, uh, a history of, uh, of of getting spicy and then cooling down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be surprised if he ends up on NFI, yada, yada, and, and, and all like that. Here's the thing. I think both sides will come to some sort of understanding prior to week one. I cannot see a them trading Taylor and B Taylor missing, missing the season. So somehow, some way now there might be a lot of, uh, 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 soap opera in between, but I, I just, I, I had this feeling that, you know, one side backs down a little bit more here. And, you know, maybe Taylor says, look, I'm just going to go out and play and let, let the chips fall uh, uh, where they may later, you know, but uh, the other side seems willing to back down. Each side seems trying to, to put. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's still early. It feels like sure. more of a posturing sure. thing at this point. So uh, I'll go on record as saying, I predict Jonathan Taylor to be the week one running back for the Colts. How about that? Okay. Yeah. All I'll say is this. You're right. It, it doesn't relate to Najee that much, but it is a blueprint, in my opinion, of what not to do as ownership in handling a running back situation. And yeah, people can sit there and say that Taylor's, you know, trying to strong arm the team as well. And is he really have a back injury? He tweeted that he's never reported a back injury. You know, players play these games. That That's fine. Uh, I think organizations are held to a higher standard. They should not kind of play these petty games. You know, will, will a player do it? Yeah, he's going to exercise the very little leverage that he has. The Colts, you still have all the all the leverage. You hold all the cards. You don't have to threaten NFI and try to take away this guy's money. I just think that's um, making a, an ugly situation even worse, and organizations should uh, be able to, to rise above that. All right. Uh, anything else there? Nope, I'm off my soapbox. So we'll uh we'll come back on Tuesday and uh get ready for Tuesday. Dave's gonna be pads, it's gonna be O line, D line, it's gonna be a whole lot to talk about, gonna be a ton of fun. So really it feels like training camp starts tomorrow. All right. Uh you can follow me on Twitter at Steelers Depot, follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora, follow the show at Terrible Podcast, email the show, the terrible podcast at gmail.com like what we do and want to donate to the cause studiosdepot.com hit the donate button upright navigational bar also ad free version studiosdepot.com hit the ad free button upright navigational bar until let's see monday or no yeah until tuesday uh night i believe uh as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex